Well, good afternoon, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Good? You guys all having good weeks? I trust that everything's going well. Uh, so welcome, everybody. If you're new here, just we want to give a warm welcome to you all. We're glad that you came, and we hope that you feel welcome. If you want to know more about what we do here, feel free to come talk to me after the service, and I would gladly tell you about what we do. Uh, if you have your phone on you, if you will, just take a the time to uh, switch the volume off or turn it off. We just want to be respectful of everybody here and limit distractions. Um, a recap. So we've been doing a series in Genesis going through each day as sort of like a worldview series because we are very, uh, we're firm believers that Genesis really is foundational for the Christian worldview, for making sense of who we are, why we're here, and then what we're meant to do. And Genesis uh, 1 really answers, helps us, uh, or helps give answers to those questions. And so we've said in the past that uh, prior, er, uh, contrary to popular belief, Christianity is actually a very reasonable religion you you don't ha necessarily have to have faith to see that uh, it, it really gives question or answers to our origins um, like I said what we're what we're to do and where we're headed and so it's not unreasonable but the world the world and philosophies and religions and other worldviews would say no that's not true they 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 mock they scorn the Christian religion they, they really do and it's <clears throat> happening more and more uh, today as people pronounce that there is no God and that we are in service to ourselves. And so we've, we've said that Christianity is actually far more reasonable than any other worldview and any other religion. And, I mean, belief in God is not really that crazy of a thing. I mean, people believe in aliens, for Pete's sake. They believe in UFOs. They believe in these crazy conspiracy theories. So it's not really that far-fetched to believe that there is a creator God who created all things, rules all things, has chosen for himself a specific people and given them salvation, and then the promise that they'll, they'll be with him for all of eternity and that the world we see it will be reshaped, reformed, uh, to sinless perfection, uh, peace, no more wars, no more rumors of wars, uh, and no more tears, no more death. And so today we're going to read from Genesis 1, 26 through 31. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 1, 26 through 31, day 6. If you don't have your Bibles, that's fine, just listen along. And I just want to note that God's Word, the Bible, it's not this old book that is dead and doesn't have any application or, or practicalness for us today. That's not true. It, it's The beauty of God's Word is that it is living and active and that it speaks to all people in all times and in all places. That's just fact, right? Ever since the Word has been written down, and even prior to that, when it was an oral tradition spread through, through speaking, it has impacted everything everybody that it's reached. The Bible is hands down the most impactful book 
in all of human history. I think every year they say, the, the, the polls, statistics show that it's the most sell, number one selling book in the world as well. And so it applies to you, it applies to me. And so as we read, just read with, uh, listen with an open mind, willingness to learn, uh, and a willingness to be guided by, by God. And so read with me from Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves in the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So far we read from God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so let's go to our God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we've just read of the sixth day of creation. What a marvelous work that you have done, Lord. You've created man in your image, male and female, Lord. And you have crowned, you have given us the crown, Lord. We are the crown of your creation. And you put much thought into the creation of us, Lord. And so this is your word, and we subject ourselves to it, willing to submit ourselves to it and to learn from it. So, Lord, speak to us today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So We've, we're at the sixth day. So basically, uh, what's been going on is that God is, is building a house. Okay, He's laid the foundation, the heavens, the earth. And he put up the framework, right? The two-by-fours of this house. Uh, the, the sun, the moon, the, the plants, the animals. And now, today, <clears throat> man and wim- women now enter this house. The house is completely built. And and now men and women enter this house. And as you know, a house is built new, right? It's perfect in mint condition, one might say. And so too, creation was created this way. It was created perfect. There was no sin. It was perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, submitting to God. Yet, we know that a house, after a period of time, it deteriorates, right? So did creation. But creation did not deteriorate because of natural causes, like we know a deteriorating building or a house. We know this isn't true because God created the universe and all things in it perfect. But creation deteriorated and started to go on a downward trajectory because of the sin of one man, 
and one woman. By the willful sin of one man came all corruption and destruction. Thorns and thistles, creation groaning, and particularly death itself. We know this to be true, right? We see natural disasters, wars, evil, evil going on all the time. And we see the, the sin in our lives as well. So this is what happened through one man and one woman's sin. And so today, we're going to consider the sixth day and final day of creation. The final day before God rested. We are going to see and come to understand, I hope, how humanity once was. We'll come to understand how it was intended to be. And then we will also know that it's no longer that way. But then finally, we'll be, we'll be confronted and brought back to the glorious gospel <clears throat> that restores us to how we were originally intended to be. With the, the promise to all those who believe in Jesus Christ for salvation that they one day will be perfectly restored and reformed. They'll be given new bodies. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth for them to dwell. And this is the goal of every sermon that you hear. Every, every word from the, from the Bible must always culminate in Jesus Christ. Jesus is on every page of this book. And so that, that's, that's our goal today is to be brought back to Jesus Christ once again. And so then consider with me three things. First, consider with me humanity created in God's image and likeness. Secondly, consider humanity created as male and female. And then thirdly, the application, humanity's image restored. First, let's, let's consider humanity in God's image and likeness. As you could note from the text, God created humanity with much contemplation. God put much thought into the creation of humanity. Rather than saying, like all the other days, let there be uh, man, let there be male and female, like he did with the sun and the moon and the stars and all of the other things. God says, let us make man. So we see here the thought and consideration put into the creation of humanity. And it shows God's love for us. That the writer of this text says, let us make man. We, we are able to glean and understand from this that in the Godhead there is a, a plurality. There is a diversity in the Godhead. This text give us, gives us a hint at, at this. But other texts tell us that there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we, we, we've come to know that God the Father eternally begets God the Son. And that the Holy Spirit proceeds from God the Father and God the Son. Thus God is three in one. Three persons in one being. God is a diversity, yet He is a united being. In this doctrine, this teaching of the Trinity, it's mysterious. right? We're never going to be able to wrap our mind around it perfectly but we we must trust that it's true because it is in God's word it's in his revelation so we must believe it by faith and so 
What I want us to see here from this, this doctrine of the triune Godhead is that we as, as human beings were created to reflect this great triune God, this unity and diversity. Because we as an organism are a unity and diversity. God created Adam and Eve. He created them uh, from dust, from one, as one living organism, but distinct and diverse. And God created them with an excel- excellency that is higher than that of animals. The, the fact that God created humanity in his image and likeness shows that we are fundamentally different from animals and everything else that was created. We are like unto God in that we, we once and we still do to this day, although our, our image is distorted, we still reflect him in our soul and in our, our body. Our soul and body image God. Just as God is known and displayed in material creation, so too is humanity's soul displayed through their body. And so man is separated from the creation of beasts in that God took deep thought and counsel in forming man after his own likeness and image. We are, we are not like beasts and fish and birds. We, we are different. We are the crown of creation. The idea of image and likeness is like that of a statue. Someone, a, a, a sculptor, carves that statue into what he is thinking. So too, God carved us out to image him and to reflect him in all of our being. And so consider with me, uh, under image and likeness, a couple ways of how we image God. I'll go through them rather quickly, but I think it's important that we, we see this. First, we image God in our knowledge, holiness, spirituality, will, and dominion. God, God, cre- and God created man and woman perfect. They, they lack nothing. We were created in perfect fellowship with God and service towards God. We were completely unpolluted and uncorrupted. And so our whole being was therefore utterly perfect. First, Adam and Eve imaged God in that they were perfectly holy. They knew no sin. They were completely righteous. One person says this, that this original righteousness or holiness is called natural. Not because it consists in a certain substance or essence, but because it is a natural attribute or quality. Just as good health belongs to the nature of man, but can still be lost, so it is with the image of God. And so this original righteousness that we once, our parents once had, Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, this original righteousness was a, a quality of humanity. It was part of their essence, who they were. And so Adam and Eve, they lived in perfect holiness uh, to God, reflecting God's holiness. Secondly, they were also created like unto God in that sin had not distorted their, their knowledge or their understanding, their, their thinking capacity. They were able to think and to reason without error. For example, have you ever had a moment when someone had to tell you that you weren't thinking straight? And then maybe they had to point out uh, to, to you your error and bring you back to a state of thinking that is more in line with reality. Have you ever had that? 
Maybe it was about what you were thinking others were thinking about you. Or maybe you misinterpreted uh, something someone was explaining to you. And they had to tell you, that's not at all what I meant. We, we, we have this, not only, uh, this is seen in the language barrier, right? We can't understand each other because of the, the language barrier, but we even have this among common English speakers. It's, it can be hard to get a point across. But Adam and Eve, they never had this. They were always able to think rightly and correctly about everything. Thirdly, humanity was created as spiritual beings. In our spirituality, we image God and that God is invisible. He's a spirit, a spiritual being. And so too are we. We have souls. And our souls, they will live on in eternity. Whether they be separated from God or they be in fellowship with God, our souls will live on in eternity. God breathed the breath of life into us, as Genesis 2 or 7 uh, says. And so we have eternity set in our hearts and mind. We are, we are able to think spiritually. This is why we, we are innately uh, religious beings, right? And fourthly, humanity images God in their will. Humanity was created in a state of sinless perfection. And, and that means not only were they, they, they holy, but every action that they took, every action that Adam and Eve took were in complete alignment with the will of God. There was not one small way in which Adam and Eve did not perfectly obey the will of God prior to their fall. All of their powers and their complete nature was subservient to the will of God. There, there were no errors or mistakes prior to their fall. And finally, fifthly, humanity images God in that God gave us dominion over the earth. So just as God has power and authority over all things, so too did God give us that same dominion over and authority over the earth. For, for example... A farmer tends his field. He has dominion over that, that field. The shepherd, too, his flock. The businessman, his business. The government, the state. Uh, the mother and father, their home. And then the teacher, the classroom, and the students. And the, you, the list goes on and on. God, God gave us dominion. And now, let's move to point two. Male, male and female. We noted, noted that as one organism created from dust, male and female, we reflect the unity and diversity that is in, that is the, the, the triune Godhead. Eve, Eve was formed uh, from Adam's rib, but both are products of the earth. Both are created in the image of God and both have equal standing before God in their righteousness, wisdom, and dominion over the earth. Both male and female are partakers of eternal life. Heirs of grace, as 1 Peter 3, verse 7 says. Both man and woman were created out of the affection of God. For God said, let us create man in our own image, male and female. Whereas, Again, I said this earlier, I'm repeating myself. Whereas the creation of other things, sun, moon, and stars, for instance, 
God displays his authority. Here God speaks with affection and love in creating male and female. And so male and female created from dust, the, the, the breath of life is breathed into them. They, they, are, they are one, yet they are distinct from each other, right? It's right there in the text, male and female. But this distinction is good. Male and female, they complement each other. And we see this particularly in marriage, in the union of marriage. The way I see it is that, when I read the text, is that Adam was roaming in the garden. He's watching all of the other creatures go about their lives. And he, he just notices to himself, I don't have a, a partner. I don't have a helper. And so God said it's not good for a man to be alone. And he creates Eve to be his helpmeet, his partner in crime, if you will. And so God formed Eve out of Adam's rib. And so Adam would have someone to live with, someone to have communion and fellowship with. And in this relationship between male and female in marriage, there is the most beautiful image of the triune God. There there again we see unity and diversity. Male and female are different, yet. United together in marriage, they become one flesh. And in that state of marriage, that that communion, that fellowship, that deep intimacy, we see a reflection of the intimacy in the triune Godhead. There in the triune Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are, are distinct from each other, yet united as one in perfect unity, fellowship, and intimacy. This is, this is the way God created it to be. It's, it's beautiful. It reflects him. It's wonderful. The design behind it. Wow. Amazing. And then God gave them the command to, to be fruitful and multiply. And the word of God tells us this, but our common sense is well. It's common sense as well that this is how we ought to function as a society. There's no procreation apart from man and woman. And thus God told Adam and Eve that they must replenish the earth. This is the whole point of giving the command because the earth is their home. This is their dwelling place. It was made for them. And as they reproduce, God promises to bless them in their generations as they walk in the fear of the Lord. And so God gave them that command to to reproduce so that the human race would continue. And that as the human race continues, we would come to see, though we are diverse, we are all one and the same. That all of humanity comes from two parents. That all of humanity would see that we are made from one blood. That we come from one blood. And that in seeing this, we might love one another. You see, this is what uh, this is what the Bible does for the human race. It, it, it unites us, and it, it helps us see our origins. To see that we uh, are all fellow humans; that we all belong to the same family. And then here, shortly, God also gave them male and female the command to subdue and cultivate the earth. It is it is it was their duty, duty and it's still our duty to be stewards of the earth, 
in justice and integrity, ruling the earth as God would have us, seeking to do his will. And finally, the application, the image restored in Christ. We, we, we see how we were created in perfection and holiness and righteousness, communion and fellowship, but we also see, right, that this is not the way it is right now. There's something wrong with us. There's something fundamentally wrong with creation. And this is because we, we fell in Adam. Adam and Eve, they're our federal representative. And we might, the, the, the common argument is, well, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the Garden of Eden. I didn't sin. Why am I, why am I punished? But we, we were there. We came from Adam. We were there, and we fell in Adam. That's the reality. And if, we, if you or I were there, we would have done the same thing. And so because of the fall, what happened when we disobeyed God and we said, we went against his command, we ate of the fruit, we basically told God, we're going to determine what's good and evil. We're not going to let you determine what good, what's good and evil. We're going to become gods to ourselves, and we're going to determine what's good and evil. And so our nature become, became corrupted. And everybody that came to be born after that as well, our minds and our wills are polluted. They're polluted in that they are wholly and completely bound to sin apart from Jesus Christ. Apart from him, we can do no good in the sight of God. And we all know that this is true. There, there's no denying this because the word of God says it and our experience testifies to this. Our conscience, the conscience of everybody here testifies to the fact that we are sinners, that every day we sin against God, we sin against our neighbor, our conscience testifies. We, there's no running from it. It accuses us. The fact is that we are corrupt, we are depraved, we are completely sick. We are in a spiritual, a state of spiritual deadness apart from Christ. And so just as a man or a woman who is blind or deaf, lacking that which belongs to him by nature, so too are all those apart from Christ, totally and completely lacking that which originally belonged to them. Again, here's a, here's a quote to help us understand this. Man, lost, man and woman lost none of their substance as a result of sin, in that sense, humans are fully human even after the fall. But when, we, when man and woman lost their original righteousness, their holiness, when they fell, they lost the harmony and health of their nature and became a sinner through and through. His, uh, their nature in the sense of substance or essence remained, but the moral qualities naturally belonging to them by nature were completely lost. And so without this original righteousness or holiness, without perf uh, perfect obedience to God, we are not true, uh, complete image bearers of God. We are corrupted and bound to sin. But our, the word of God in, in, in our experience tell us that we were created 
for a life above that which we know it. This is not the way things are meant to be. We understand that. And we understand it more fully because of the Genesis account, how we were created to be. We were not designed just for a life of eating and drinking and procreation and and fun, but we were created for an eternal and spiritual life with God. And had Adam and Eve not fallen into sin, this, this surely would have happened. They would have been elevated or granted higher life in communion with God. But this is not what happened. And that's why we are in the state that we are in. But we can, you and I can have assurance of this eternal and spiritual life with God. We can. We can have certainty of it. Right now, as we live our present life and as we look to the future. We can be certain that there will be a perfect paradise ready for us that was thought for us and destined for us. We were designed for this end, immortality. But this certainty of faith, this hope for the future while we are in the present is only certain through the narrow path of life in Jesus Christ. Be, be sure of that. If that's, there's one thing that you take away today, there's only one way. There's not many ways in many religions. There's only one way, and that's through the narrow path that is Jesus Christ. There is no other way, no other savior, no other hero, no other religion. It is only through Jesus Christ. And as a side point, humanity is groaning for this. I, 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 I looked at a statistic the other day. If you're familiar with superheroes, the Avengers Endgame movie, that's a Marvel superhero movie, it grossed $2.3 billion. People love superheroes. They love the story of redemption and rescue and salvation. So we're yearning for it. And this, this restoration of the image of God in Jesus Christ is available through repentance of sin and turning to Jesus Christ as the object of your faith and your salvation. And so see your sin and your misery. See the muck, the mire, the swamp that you're stuck in that you cannot get out of by yourself. And then look to Christ who brings you back, gives you salvation, and brings you back to how you were intended to be. Trust in Him for salvation. Rest in Him who is righteous on the behalf of sinners. And when you do this, know that that you are seen perfectly holy and righteous before God. Christ takes our unrighteousness. He takes the unrighteousness of his people as his own. He he takes that as if it were a robe and he puts it on himself. And then he gives his people his white robe of righteousness. And then from that day forward, God views them that way as holy and righteous in his sight. Only then are we brought back to our original state. Only then are we reconciled with God. Jesus died on behalf of sinners. He paid the ultimate 
price. He appeased the wrath of God. He settled the deal. And this isn't some sort of, some form of divine child abuse. Because Jesus, fully God, came to this earth as man willingly. He wanted to come for sinners because of his love for them. And so turn to Christ, to Christ in whom salvation and reconciliation are fixed and true. There's nothing that can erase that. If you believe in Christ, your salvation is unconditional apart from any works of yourself. It's all by Christ. There's nothing that you can do to lose it. It's the sovereign grace of God. Again, turn to Christ as your righteousness. For, for without it, you will never be truly human and you will be separated from God for eternity. So you are either a, a sinner dead in your trespasses and sin or you are a son or a daughter of God redeemed by Jesus Christ. A spiritually dead human walking or a sinner saved by grace. And so back to the, the building analogy. Do not build your house, your life on a shaky foundation. There's so many of them today. But build your, your house, your foundation on the firm foundation that is God's word, that is Jesus Christ. It is the only hope in life and death that I am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood freely satisfied the wrath of God. Like the parable that Jesus gave in the New Testament, the, the foolish man builds his house on the sand. And what happens when a storm comes? That house is just wiped away. But the man who is wise and prudent builds his house on a firm foundation, one that is unshakable. And so that, that is what I, I plead with you today. And I call you to that, to, to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. It is so rich, full of life, full of truth, full of grace, mercy, and compassion, Lord. Lord, I am a sinner just like everybody here. And I need these words to be spoken to me every day. For when I don't remember them, Lord, I despair. I run to and fro. And Lord, I, I feel condemned. And so, Lord, thank you that we are confronted with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ for sinners. And we thank you that you have given us your word, your divine revelation, where you reveal yourself, the origins of mankind, how we are meant to function as a society and as your people and what will happen in the future, Lord. You didn't have to do that for us, but you did. You gave us a window into your thoughts. And what an amazing thing that is, Lord. And so today I pray that many who, who know you already would be strengthened and encouraged and that those who do not know you, that they would come at the feet of Jesus Christ because he says they may come. That they would come confessing their sin and that they would cling to him for the rest of their days and that 
One day we will all see each other in glory, praising your name with tears on our face because of what glorious and wondrous things you have done for us. So I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.